1: I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to games with names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: this is sports grid get on the grid
3: hello everyone and welcome to the daily roto hour here on sports grid tv i'm davis manek joined today by ricky sanders we're gonna go around the diamond today baseball has returned it's in our lives we got sunday night baseball we got day games we got Doubleheaders. We have everything that uh everything that we wanted, everything that we were dreaming of during during our forced COVID offseason. Ricky, how has the first week of baseball been for you, buddy? You
4: been enjoying it? I have loved every second of it. I know I was grinding KBO, Korean baseball, while this was off. But it is so nice to have baseball at like a normal hour for me, as opposed to setting the alarm and waking everyone up in the household and everyone not being happy with me because I'm sitting there watching Twitch at 4.30 a.m. So I just love the baseball experiment it's probably selfish because I'm not sure it's the smart thing morally to be doing right now is playing baseball. We've seen it, you know, play out in one of the clubhouses, but man, for selfish reasons. And I think a lot of people feel the same way where they're not exactly sure how to feel, but just having baseball to talk about, bet on, play daily fantasy. Ah, it's so much better than, you know, having to grind one of these overseas leagues where it's just not convenient with the schedule.
3: Yeah, having having baseball on at noon and having baseball on at 9 p.m. those are those are unique luxuries, right? It feels it feels great, feels like a little bit of a of a return to normalcy. I I gotta say, you know, I saw some people on Twitter complaining about like, oh, you know, the automated crowd noise and everything. I I really though it it was just relaxing to have baseball on TV like to hear um Matt Vasgersian's voice right hearing Matt Vasgersian talk about baseball is to me that is like the most relaxing thing that can e- even exist in this planet
4: oh yeah and just being able as a cubs fan to listen to you know their announcers go in the car listen to Pat Hughes for those of you who know the cubs announcer uh, it just again feels like normal even though i know it it really isn't i mean the world we live in is still crazy but any semblance of this normalcy, just, just, I mean, we're all staying home. So we're all doing things that are different, but at least on our couch, we're watching things that we're accustomed to.
3: So we we do, we got to start with the bad news, though. It seems like about half of the Marlins players at this point have tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, right when we are about to begin this show, it's been announced that Uh, The Marlins season is currently on pause. They were supposed to be playing the uh, the Orioles this week that that series basically got delayed. My thinking is probably that, you know, the Marlins, they are not one of the marquee franchises in Major League Baseball, not one of the teams that expect to compete for a World Series. Ricky, it would not surprise me if we just see this season play out without the Miami Marlins. Would that surprise you?
4: I think it would surprise me. I think they're going to wait out at least part of the incubation period with COVID. And I mean the so the plans obviously weren't perfect from the start. We know that traveling city to city was not the greatest of ideas. But there were plans in place for, like, a handful of players to get it. And they would be, you know, obviously sent to the COVID list. You'd have players off-site come on board. I just don't think they expected half a team in the first weekend to, to be, you know, the basically the guinea pig here. But I think once you get, you know, close to a week of incubation, you get testing every day, and you can see what the deal is with the Marlins. They might have to figure out, you know, not playing in Miami since Florida is such a hot spot in general. I wonder if they move to a city sort of like Toronto, but basically forcefully, you know, somewhere where there's way less coronavirus and just play there because there's no fans anyways. Like, who cares? Uh, and I do think that they get a season in. The question is, do they play the same number as games? And I think that's pretty obvious that the answer is going to be no. And I, I'm, I want to get your take here, but I think really the only fair way to do it is just to go by win percentage. Because this probably isn't the last team that's going to have games canceled. Just get in as many games as you can. And also, there's not that many like off days with this schedule. So just get in as many games as you can by an end date. And at that point, look at winning percentage. If a team's played 10 less games, screw it, man. I mean, you you did the best you could. And I think that's the only way they could possibly play this uh, and potentially not playing in Miami along the way.
3: So I I like your idea of, you know, win percentage. Also, I have not heard anyone throw this out, but if, if we get another outbreak or two more outbreaks, what, what about, you know, Doing it like soccer, right? Where there is no postseason and the champion is the team who has won the most games at the end, right? 60 games. We get as many games in as we can. The guys play until November or whatever. And the team that has won the most games out of their 60 game schedule is just the champion.
4: I don't know if they would accept it, but I think it's a great idea, honestly. Like, I don't personally need postseason. I enjoy regular season mostly because you get these full slates of games to bet on. You get these full slates of games to play Daily Fantasy. And then the playoffs happen, and it's just the same matchups over and over and over. And there's so much less of them that, to me, it takes some of the fun out of it. Like, I know that the people who are loyal fans to their – to their team, uh, obviously they want to see a playoffs play out, and they get all riled up for it, and yada yada yada. But personally, I don't mind the idea of just regular season games being it. You give us a season of baseball, and I think we should all be happy we got it. So, if that's your proposal, I accept.
3: So, and I mean, there there is the very real thing of like, does a championship in a sixty-game season with expanded playoffs? Count, You know, quote unquote, does it count? And sure, it counts. But like, right, I'm I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. They won the World Series in 2015. They grinded out 162 games of the regular season. They played some really memorable postseason baseball, you know, that World Series against the Mets. I will, you know, I'll never forget those games. Those were some of the biggest games I'll ever watch. And I got to say, if the Royals were any good this year, and they were seriously competing to win the championship in this shortened season, there's no way that you're going to associate the same memories. There's no way you're going to feel as positively. So, you know, when when the Dodgers do win this World Series, I think it's going to feel a little bit empty for, uh, for a lot of those fans. But we are going to go ahead and head into our first break here on the Daily Roto Hour. When we return, we are going to continue to go around the diamond, get you caught up on everything going on in baseball. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you here in a few minutes.
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: i'm julian edelman from games with names and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time Deep. The red sox in 2004 bounced back after three and all in a winner chicken dinner. Oh, the man. immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw he fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're gonna dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to games with names on the iHeartRadio Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to the Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: You're watching
3: SportsGrid.
1: Get
3: on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for a break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Grid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders today as we go around the diamond, covering all of the relevant baseball news and notes, going to dig into some fantasy outliers, going to discuss some injuries, some trends that we have seen in fantasy baseball through the first week of the season. Uh, Ricky, what is the biggest thing that has stood out to you so far in terms of impacting fantasy and betting so far?
4: Uh, the bats seem to be ahead of the pitching early on. Yeah. We have seen a lot of homers, and we're recording this on Tuesday. Let's talk about Monday's slate, where we had, I think it was four. It was either four or five different guys hit multiple homers. Mikael Franco, <laughs> which is an interesting one. Teoscar Hernandez, who gets moved to the leadoff spot last second. Uh, Hunter Renfro, and I'm I'm blanking. There's, there's multiple others who hit uh, multiple homers as well. So, I mean, that's just one day. And you, you rarely see days where there's a lot of, you know, multiple homers. On Sunday, we saw Nelson Cruz and Jose Ramirez hit two homers apiece. We saw Jake Cave hit a grand slam in that game. Offense is up early on. And it makes sense, right, because these pitchers didn't have the extended spring training that they're used to. So a lot of the velocities are down. You're starting the season in the middle of hot weather, uh, which you usually get the season started in, you know, in the spring when the weather's colder there's a lot more rain but right now with all this hot weather the bats have been crazy good and the power's been up and i actually think it's been a fun brand of baseball to watch uh, i i've heard people speculate that the balls are juiced but i think it's just that time of the year that they're they're starting these games that you know we always see more runs towards the summer
3: so my take would be the ball is obviously juiced. Uh, watching, <laughs> watching. I think watching some of these home runs, right? I I remember one in particular was Ian Happ, dead center, no wind in Wrigley, and it was a no doubter off the bat. Now, and I, no, I think Ian Happ is good, right? Switch hitter, uh, but he's not he's not dead center 450 you know like uh, no, like no doubt off the bat that's just not the style of player he is he's more of like a gap to gap you know good speed good intelligent base runner like he he is not uh, he is not Aaron Judge basically is is my opinion and that was the one where i was like you know what the ball it's juiced
4: <laughs> well Statcast has been off the hook so far. We're like four days into the season. Giancarlo Stanton hits the second fastest recorded baseball, you know, in the Statcast era, that goes 483 feet. And Pete Alonso hits the third fastest recorded baseball in Fenway Park. And again, we're three days into a season. Uh,
3: yeah, we are. We are three days into a season. Also, another thing. Like, uh, yes, we do know for sure that. Hotter weather does lead to more home runs. It's also been very humid all over the United States this week, which is like we're because we're talking about such a micro trend. It's literally been raining everywhere. Right. We've seen some games that have had weather concerns. We have a hurricane that's coming up from the south right now. It's just like a super humid time pretty much all across the United States. And I think, you know, in, in those environments, the the hot, sticky weather, that's where you're going to see lots and lots of home runs.
4: Yeah, no question, but for daily fantasy baseball purposes, it feels like people have just been targeting a lot of the stadiums where it's hot, and that led to a day where the Rays kind of snuck under the radar at home in their dome with a 14-run game. So remember, pitching matchups matter as well, but there's, there's no question that some of these hotter environments uh, in the long run are going to be the ones to target. Just from a micro perspective on a day-to-day daily fantasy, look, pitching matchups matter just as much as the weather.
3: Yeah, and we should also, you know, we're, we're going to talk more macro trends here in a second, but I do want to talk one of these small things, which is that uh, Mike Fultonevich who was the starter who got tattooed by the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday, July 27th, uh, him basically being a non-major league pitcher is a pretty big story for the National League. You know, the Braves were one of the four, Uh, most high favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook in terms of World Series odds. If they have to send fulton either to the I.L., Or to the alternate training site to try and figure his stuff out because, you know, his velocity, Ricky, generally would sit at like 95, 96, 97. Now his velocity in that start against the Rays, his average fastball velocity was below 90. So now their rotation loses, you know, basically who was supposed to be their second best starting pitcher. Now they have Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Sean Newcomb, and they're going to, I don't think they wanted to pitch Kyle Wright, but they're going to have to pitch Kyle Wright now, you know, a lot of innings. I think probably their plan was to use him for maybe five or six starts now he probably is going to have to go 10 starts I mean that that shakes up things in the NL East for sure
4: yeah so actually it's even worse than that the Braves DFA'd Mike fulton after this start so I think they realized that Something wasn't right with him, which is a crazy thing. I mean, that Mike Fultenevich was released from the Braves. When you think about how high of an upside pitcher he was two years ago, uh, we were talking about a guy with a 337 FIP, under a 4X FIP, a guy throwing in the high 90s, probably one of the few Braves that was untouchable in the trade markets after a year with a 27% K rate. And then his velocity fell off a cliff. And, I mean, he's a guy with a straight fastball. So if you're throwing 91.1 was the official, according to Fangraphs, uh, velocity of Mike fulton average on his fastball in that first game, if that's uh, – I mean, if that's what you're getting from him, there's not much there. And I saw it as soon as he was released. Basically, team or people on Twitter are speculating that all these teams should be taking a shot on him, but if there's no velocity there, he needs to learn how to pitch before a team can basically take him. He's been just completely slider happy since last year, and it's not working. He's not turning into Jamie Moyer. He really needs to figure things out or else he's just going to be a home run bonanza. And I think Kyle Wright now is, is going to be the key to Atlanta's season. If he can step up in his ab- absence, I think Atlanta has a chance. But if not, they just lost a big piece of their rotation, you know, being that I think they had faith in Fulton-Evich and now realize they probably can't. So if Kyle Wright does not step up and have a breakout season that I think some people believe he has within the range of possibilities, this Atlanta team's in a, in a lot of trouble.
3: Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, the Fulton-Evich story is part of a larger trend, which is that there are a lot of starting pitchers right now who are having health troubles. And the reason why they're having health troubles is they're totally out of their routine. You know, they started getting ready to play baseball back in February. They started their warm-up process. And their warm-up process basically, it, first of all, it got interrupted and they all went home to go sit on their couch and eat Oreos and play PlayStation. And then pretty much with no warning, they said, all right, you guys gotta come back. You have to start ramping things up right now. You, you know, you basically have three weeks to get ready. And we have seen loads of pitchers already get injured. And we're gonna talk more about some of those specific injuries in our next segment, but. You know, Ricky, I basically am am wondering, is this going to be something we see all year long where pitchers are going to continue to be injured, and as a result of that, we're just going to see guys not going deep in games? I I think probably what we're going to see happen is you know outside of random occurrences you know Kyle Hendricks throws the complete game with 110 pitches on opening day i i think the average starter duration this year is going to go way down we're going to see loads of guys go 70 pitches 80 pitches you know not get out of the 4th inning we're going to have relievers in there right away in high stress situations
4: yeah, completely agree with that. I think by the time that a lot of these starters are ready to start going 100 plus pitches, we're going to be more than halfway through the season. So the first half of the year is going to be a complete crapshoot. We've seen the Tampa Bay Rays go extremely conservative. You know, Blake Snell through three innings, Tyler Glass now through four. Uh, we've just seen that around a lot of the the MLB is that these guys who have had great first starts are we're cut short at four innings for the most part. So I agree with you. We've seen a lot of velocities down. Fulton Evich wasn't the only one. Sean Manaya was one. There's a few other guys across the league that, you know, they didn't have their normal time to get ready. They didn't get ready, you know, in the normal month of the season that they're used to. So throwing them out of rotation, I think you're going to see a bunch of things. Corey Kluber already hurt his shoulder. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's was, was workout related. So I don't want to include him in there, but I do think this is going to be an injury filled pitching season.
3: Yeah. And from a gambling perspective, I think one of the things that we need to really take a note of is teams with stronger bullpens are going to be underrated in the betting markets early on because prices for individual MLB games are heavily based on the starter. Right. So when it's uh, when it's Kershaw versus, uh you know, Mike Fultonevich. Right. Kershaw is going to be a minus 350 favorite. But if Kershaw is only going four innings and you know random starter x is also only going four innings we need to place more value on offense obviously and we need to be placing more emphasis on bullpens when betting individual MLB games but We are going to go ahead and head into our second break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. When we return, we are going to be digging into some of these individual injuries amongst the pitchers and the hitters and continuing to dig through some league-wide trends to help you guys with all of your bets and strategy in Daily Fantasy. See you in a few moments.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
0: In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to the Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Matic, joined today by Ricky Sanders as we continue going around the diamond getting you caught up on all the relevant news and notes that you need to be betting on major league baseball, playing major league baseball, daily fantasy, seasonal fantasy and everything in between. Uh all right, Ricky, let's just get through these rash of uh, pitcher injuries because there are no shortages two on the same team. In fact, the World Series favorite Los Angeles Dodgers, right now they have both Clayton Kershaw and Alex Wood on the 10-day injured list. For many teams, This would be a death sentence for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Not so much. Uh, They have Dustin May replacing Clayton Kershaw. They have uh, basically Julio Urias or Ross Stripling, depending on how you choose to categorize those guys, um, replacing Alex Wood. So not not a total nightmare for the Dodgers. But I mean, losing Kershaw, losing Wood, uh, you know, two really solid left handed starters teams often struggle to find solid left handed starters. This is this is a big deal for the Los Angeles Dodgers.
4: Yeah, I mean, we talked about how deep this team was, and we thought they could sustain injuries basically every which way and still be competitive. Well, David Price opts out, and then in the first week, you have Clayton Kershaw get hurt in the weight room, and you have Alex Wood hurt his shoulder pitching. So pretty immediately, we're seeing the the depth of this starting rotation tested. And it's crazy because you still have an ace in Walker Bueller. Like you still have one of the best, I think, three to four pitchers in the entire league, even assuming Clayton Kershaw is out and he's expected to return over the weekend. So let's just assume the worst. You still have a number one and then you have these high upside secondary guys who with your lineup, I think this team could still be competitive in a playoff series if you rolled out Walker Buehler. Dustin May, Ross Stripling, Julio Urias is your four. I really think this team could still compete. And that's assuming Clayton Kershaw is not back, which he will be. So, I mean, we talked about the depth of this team. You could see the same in the bullpen. All of a sudden, Kenley Jansen gets hurt. Pedro Pedro Baez, Joe Kelly, Blake Trinan, who has tons of closing experience. These guys can step in. The same with the offense. Uh, It's just crazy how deep this team is. You really do need to see some improvements from some of these youngsters. Dustin May looked excellent in that first start. He gave up a bunch of hits, but he was able to miss bats, and he wasn't walking anyone. Julio Urias has arguably the most pure, like, true stuff of any young pitcher in the league. So I think he's going to be successful once he hones in his control. It's crazy. There's two starting pitcher injuries, and I'm still not overly worried about the Dodgers just because of this crazy depth that we talked about
3: yeah the 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 depth is really nuts and it's it's nuts both in their starting rotation and it's nuts in the bullpen though at a certain point like okay Dustin May young pitcher he he probably knows his body less than Walker Buehler he knows his body less right. than Clayton Kershaw like I I think we're gonna see in a weird way I I actually think older pitchers are kind of at an advantage because like You know, they just know how they know their elbow, right? They know their shoulder and they're going to be able to tell their coach, like, look, you know, I can only go three innings. I can only go four innings. And I, my expectation is that a lot of the injuries that we see over the next two weeks, Rick, are going to be younger pitchers who, you know, obviously haven't been paid yet. And also just are not as familiar with the anatomy of a big league season and how to deal with, you know, kind of the, the ways in which the arm gets nicked up for pitchers over the course of the year.
4: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, the guys who haven't gone through the routine at all before, I think the older guys for the most part, I mean, we're going to see exceptions. Corey Kluber, he's had some issues over the course of the past few seasons anyways, and it's baseball. I mean, throwing's basically not a natural motion. And a lot of these guys, because they're throwing so often at such a high velocity, there's going to be issues. But some of these young guys who haven't been through it before and just rushed their bodies, I think I agree with you that those are going to be some of the injuries. And just as a side note, did you hear that Walker Bueller, uh, the interview with him the other day? might be one of the worst interviews in all of major sports. Look,
3: I I love baseball, Ricky. These dudes suck. These dudes are not good <laughs> interviews. Like I I watched oh. probably more baseball this last weekend than I have ever watched. My my girlfriend was out of town, so it was just me and the dogs and baseball on all day. I heard so many player interviews. I remembered basically nothing that any of them said. I I do got to give a shout out to the one guy who was good, though. Max Scherzer was on ESPN one night. I don't remember which night it was, uh, but he was. He was really, really good.
4: Yeah, give it up to Max, uh, but Walker bueller I mean, three word Walker, I think should be his new nickname because I don't think he answered any questions more than like three words. And the announcers were like, all right. And they basically had to like go between them coming up with more questions because they thought it would take more time than it did.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I, I actually I also would say Clayton Kershaw has been a good interview in the past. I haven't heard one from him in a long time, but he's pretty funny. And then shout out to my boy. Uh, Brandon McCarthy, who is one yes. of the hum- hilarious, most long-term. I I, uh, I I really wish that he was involved with baseball this season because he would have some very good uh, player safety and uh, COVID-related takes, definitely, uh, no doubt. So, in terms of other pitching injuries, we actually haven't even talked about the biggest one, which is Justin Verlander. So. Right. It was reported that Verlander initially was out for the season. Then Verl—I think Verlander tweeted—he's like, uh, "This this is not true. Uh, I'm only out for a month." However, if I was a betting man, I would actually think that either he doesn't come back this year, or he comes back, pitches once or twice, and gets injured again. Uh, you know, okay. Verlander is now. 38 years old like he is he is definitely pushing it in terms of how long you can be as dominant as he has been and also my assumption is anytime something like that is reported it probably was the thought at first that like oh this is serious enough to be limited and then Verlander's like well you know I I want to play I want to get paid I want to help my teammates and everything my my guess is though if if you drafted Justin Verlander in the first round of your fantasy league like you're bummed out right now
4: He has almost 3,000 innings under his belt. When there's forearm issues, that usually means there could be something with the ulnar nerve, which is Tommy John related. Uh, Forearm issues are never good for a pitcher. So I assume they want to be on the careful end here we'll see if there ends up being a playoffs but i would guess they don't want to rush him back i would think he misses over a month i would just take the over there and i think maybe he pitches down the stretch a little bit but if anything they get him ready for playoffs and that's it otherwise i think there is a possibility that he's just shut down
3: uh yeah i think i think that is definitely i think that is definitely a real possibility uh in terms of pitching, uh, you know, in terms of injuries, we have Steven Strasburg with the nerve issue on his hand. Now, he told the media on Monday that he threw lightly off of the mound and that he felt good, but, I mean, we know the history with Steven Strasburg and injuries. It it tends to be not the best. He tends to not be the quickest healer. Or what ends up happening is he just pitches injured a lot. You know, he just basically is going to pitch the rest of the season with this nerve issue and just not be full Steven Strasburg.
4: Yeah. I think that's the main concern for fantasy. And I mean, bad Steven Strasburg, you look at 2018, his career high is a three, seven, four ERA. So it certainly can get worse than that. But Steven Strasburg that year, that was the only year he was over a one home run per nine rate. Uh, It was a year that he was giving up a ton of fly balls. His BABIP was up because he wasn't able to miss bats with the same fury. So I mean, Steven Strasburg, as long as he's good to go, I think you're playing him. You just temper your expectations a bit because we've seen it before, like you said.
3: Yep. Uh, We have Corey Kluber shut down for a month with a grade two strain of a muscle in the back of his pitching shoulder. Uh, Any chance that the Rangers had to compete for... The division, though I guess the expanded playoffs, you can't really you can't really write anyone off. Uh, but this this injury is huge for the Rangers, basically because Kluber was though he was not good last season. It was one of the more brutal seasons. Uh, actually, it was the most brutal season of his career for Cleveland last year. He was signed to be the ace of this pitching staff, and they are really gonna miss uh, you know the the twelve starts he was expected to throw.
4: He really looked good in spring. I'm you know from. For personal reasons, I'm happy I missed on him in fantasy leagues. I felt I was high on him. And I think the masses who were watching spring were even higher on Corey Kluber, even though I had him as like an SP two and a half. Uh, But man, this sucks because Corey Kluber, I mean, I think he was due for a bounce back year. I think everyone's expecting Texas to play a lot more hitter friendly than I think it's going to play. I think it's going to be closer to like a league average stadium with the fences moved back compared to the old globe life. So I really had high hopes for him, but I just don't think he's going to be back anytime soon. He's old. He's got no real reason. I think the Rangers will be an iffy team by the time he's back. So probably a legit threat to miss the rest of the year.
3: So, uh, do we think that Otani is injured? So basically for those who don't know, Otani pitched his first game in two years now in Major League Baseball, did not record an out has an ERA of affinity as we as we sit here. An infinity ERA as he was not able to record an out. I think he I think he walked uh, yeah, so he threw only 15 of 30 pitches for strikes and walked three guys before he was pulled. Do we think he's injured? Do we think this is mental? And
4: are you worried about Otani? (sighs) I think he's going to be okay, which I feel like is an underreaction, but you know, an infinity start is always brutal. It's his first start in two seasons. I thought the velocity looked okay. Okay. I mean, he's down from where he was, but still over 93 miles an hour is fine. Um, I don't know what to make of Otani. I think I'm a wait-and-see approach with him. He's obviously had some arm issues, which caused him to shut down. But at worst, I hope he can just continue to be a hitter and maybe they'll ditch this pitching experiment if it turns out that this, you know, four mile an hour drop in uh, velocity is not just the fact that he hasn't gotten ready enough. It's there's something with the arm. So at least Otani should be in the big leagues in most scenarios. But I'm not sure what to make it is. I, I want to say like, yeah, sure, I'm overly concerned, but it's one start and it's his first start in quite a while. So I want to take a wait and see approach here.
3: What made me what made me bummed out is that it seems to be like a mental issue, and I don't, you know, I don't know if that's something you fix start to start basically. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we are going to talk some closers and some overall league wide trends that we are seeing early on in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. So see you guys in just a few minutes for a continuation of going around the diamond.
2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
0: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to the Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. Today on the show, we are going around the diving around the diamond, covering lots of news and notes for all 30 Major League Baseball teams, though maybe by the end of the season, there are only 29 of them playing, thanks to the Miami Marlins. And, uh, Ricky, the closer carousel has been on fire through a week of the MLB season, just as uh, just as we predicted, really.
4: Yeah, I really thought it was strange around the industry, seeing, like, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, seeing all the ADPs skyrocket of these closers, right? I mean, you would see these high-stakes players, have multiple closers on their roster by round six and i could not understand it being a guy who's always been like fade the top closers kind of way to play year-to-year fantasy baseball because saves are so volatile so in a year where health is even more volatile than usual i didn't understand why people would would then be like okay i gotta just get the top closers uh, we've seen Araldus Chapman get hurt. We've seen Liam Hendricks struggle. We've seen Craig Kimbrell struggle. I mean, you could go situation to situation. Edwin,
3: Edwin Diaz gave up some home runs. Like, it's been nuts.
4: It. I mean, this is the prime year to have punted saves. Prime year to have punted saves. I mean... Just everything that's happened has been so crazy, and we took it upon ourselves in the preseason to go over shows, like saying, here are the low-end bullpens, here are where you can get the saves from these guys, and we've been proven right, because a lot of these high-end bullpen situations have not looked great, a bunch of these closers have looked ugly, and I again, I think that was a market misprice there. I don't understand what these high stakes guys were doing, and I often don't say that. I, I I trust these guys. I believe in them. They're they're putting up real money, so you would think they know what they're doing. But I think they totally, totally, totally screwed that aspect up of drafts this year.
3: Yeah, I mean it just it just did not make sense over sixty games to treat the most volatile position far and away closer closer in fantasy baseball. It's more volatile than. I mean, just thinking of all positions across fantasy sports, I can't, I mean, maybe kickers and defenses in seasonal fantasy football or something, but it, it is, it's, it's absolutely nuts to think of how volatile the reliever position is in fantasy baseball and, you know, guys can get replaced at the drop of a hat. Guys can just have really bad performance. Like, over a 60-game season, if you drafted Chapman as your closer and he gets blown up twice, that's going to be damage to your ratios that you literally cannot recover over a 60-game season. Like, that, that's just it. It's dusted off.
4: I mean, here are your major league leaders in saves uh, through three days. Wade Davis, who was the most volatile closer in the league, I think, of the ones who were drafted, Colorado, Trevor Gott, which was a guy that I was on, and by the way, even towards the end of draft season, he was the third San Francisco Giants reliever being drafted, meaning that there were two guys who people felt were the closer ahead of him. One of those guys was Tyler Rogers, who was Taylor Rogers' brother, who was the opener for one of their first games, uh, or maybe it was their last spring training game, but anyways— and Joe Jimenez the closer on Detroit. So Colorado, San Francisco, Detroit are your leaders in saves this year.
3: And not only that, we're already starting to see guys get injured. Ken Giles the closer for the Toronto Blue Jays has been diagnosed with right elbow soreness. Basically, it's expected that he is going to head to the at least the the 10-day IL, you know, wouldn't be surprising to not see him back for you know, a, a month or something like that. who do you who do you like there
4: as the replacement closer? I think Anthony Bass is the guy. He's the guy they named. He already locked down a save, uh, which is weird because he's a former like long reliever. Uh, turned into a closer. Maybe he's one of those guys who just needed, you know, the shorter amount of innings. We saw it with Ian Kennedy was able to crank up his velocity, moving to that relieving role. So maybe he's one of those guys, but man, it has been strange. Looking at this saved leaderboard, you talk about like injuries. Uh, Ian Kennedy was used in the fifth inning of a competitive game without an injury and Greg Holland was the guy who got, who has the Royals loan save. Joaquin Soria after Liam Hendricks looked brutal, has a save. Cole Sulser was the guy who got the save for the Orioles. Seth Lugo uh, for the Mets, you mentioned that, you know, Diaz had looked bad. Brandon Kinsler, he was the expected closer. How about Jeremy Jeffress having the save on the Cubs? I mean, this is just unbelievable. The names of guys who have saves, like of the top, you know, I guess there's a bunch of guys tied at one, but of the guys who are in the top 20, there's like five guys who are expected to be the closer up there at the top.
3: Yeah. Uh, so how do you, how do you proceed forward in, you know, these high stakes fantasy baseball leagues? Are you just putting in claims on why, like kind of like zero RB teams in fantasy football? Are you just, are you like every guy who gets a save opportunity? Are they getting, you know, five bucks of fab every single week?
4: I wouldn't say every, but I would definitely say nearly all of them. Uh, I mean, I think this is the closest thing to zero RB. No question. I think if you see a guy pitching the ninth and he looks relatively good, you throw five bucks on him. It's that simple. Uh, I think of the guys who have gotten saves so far, maybe my lowest Interest guy is Taylor Williams of the Mariners, even though they said that bullpen is going to be congested. And it was interesting to see McGill pitch in the seventh, who basically was their only remaining reliever who we thought had a chance to factor into saves because Hirano's on the IL and Austin Adams is on the IL and then boom, the guy we think is their closer, not pitching in the high leverage situation. So maybe Williams is even worth five bucks, but looking at some of these other guys, like I think Craig Kimbrell looks horrible. So Jeremy Jeffress is definitely a guy I have some interest in. Liam Hendricks looks like he's kind of, Doesn't have it right now. I think Joakim Soria, who's one of the active leaders in saves, obviously has proven he can get it done. Quang Hyun Kim. I mean, we haven't seen Gallegos healthy. Uh, Oh, my. You go up and down this board, and I don't see how you wouldn't have interest in some of these guys who have gotten the saves so far. Just seeing how the season has gone.
3: Yeah, the the first couple weeks of fab in these high-stakes fantasy baseball leagues are going to be really interesting. Of course, made all that much more competitive by, I mean, the the, the starting pitching market is insane, too. You know, guys who are crushing early on who have been great, right? And then also guys, you know, we have injuries. We have guys who are getting called up. You know, we have the fact that, you know, guys are probably going to be Counting on Caleb Smith and Jose Urena for the Marlins, who knows when you're going to be able to get those starts again. We had Dylan Bundy with a strong start for the Angels in his in his first outing. Like, the, the market is crazy right now.
4: Yeah, but in a way, I feel vindicated with the, what we told people preseason. Not only were we telling people not to buy saves, but we were telling people to stack against the bad teams. Have you seen the strikeout leaderboard at this point? You have... So here are the guys with double-digit strikeouts. And tell me if you notice a trend here. I'll just name a few of them. Shane Bieber and Carlos Carrasco, they do pitch on the same team. And Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo are amongst the guys with double-digit strikeouts. The only other guy is Max Scherzer. What did we tell people about the betting market, Davis? Go against the Royals and Tigers. Uh, Guess what two teams these guys have faced. Yeah, just stone-cold crushing. Shane Bieber with 14 Ks against the Royals as well as Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo double digit Ks against the Tigers. So in a way, I feel like, you know, the the stacking we talked about how Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor and the offenses were good guys to use and draft in seasonal leagues because they'd be playing so many games against them. We might have overlooked the pitching because if you just get all these series against these strikeout prone teams, we've seen multiple pitchers can crush.
3: Yeah, we have we we have seen that there is definitely a divide between the haves and the have-nots in baseball, which definitely we expect. And by the way, that is something to really be paying attention to, as you know, we expect there are going to be a lot more injuries. We expect that there are going to be guys who are testing positive for COVID nineteen and have to quarantine for a couple weeks or have to take a bunch of tests. You know, like there are just going to be teams that are fielding triple A quality rosters. Uh, you know, and and there are some teams who. Early on, we thought they were going to be bad, you know, not just the Tigers and the Royals, but the Giants were a team that, you know, we thought they were going to be bad. They've been really bad. Uh, We thought that, but then on the other hand, we thought that the Rangers were going to be good. Right now, Ricky, uh, through the first week of the season, the Rangers have scored five runs. The Rockies have scored eight. That series between those two teams in Arlington somehow turned into nothing but pitchers duels.
4: Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, I mean, not that Herman Marquez and John Gray aren't talented pitchers. Mike Miner had a great year last year, but I mean, we know that the Rockies have struggled away from home last year. They were dead last in WRC plus against right handed pitching away from home. So we knew that they struggled there and they were a little better against lefties, but they were still mostly based on power. I think that series has been a lot of people are going to have to adjust to globe life being the way it is. It's not quite as power favorable. Uh, I think the gaps are going to be fine. I mean, because you back up the the basically the center field walls on both sides. And I think it's still slightly more power favorable to the left side of the plate, meaning the right side of the, the ballpark. So like Joey Gallo, Routen and Odor, uh, if you're worried about how their home run rate going to be affected, I think you, you shouldn't really worry about that. But there was a reason to like the Rangers pitchers more than, you know, uh, basically usual because the Rangers in previous years were – from 2018 to 2019, they had the worst home road ERA splits of their starting pitchers, even over Coors Field. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So. The fact that you can play Rangers pitchers at home more so than ever before, like, I think this is something that the the masses are going to have to get used to. I'm not saying, you know, playing in Texas in the heat, especially on days where the roof is open, is not going to be favorable. I just don't think this is going to be a top five hitting ballpark anymore. I think it's going to be slightly below that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you are. I think you are almost certain to be correct about that. I think that's what the. I think that's what our our early returns are. Uh, I think that's what our early returns are showing us. What uh, what other things have surprised you, or that you you know that we've kind of learned? I guess one of the things that I that I, I we should note this is the Astros. Uh, turns out, even without cheating, still a pretty good baseball team. They can still smack the cover off the ball. That which is. I mean, some people were questioning it. That's an important thing to know early on.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the talk of their demise was probably overstated in the sense that even knowing when a fastball is coming, it's still a major league quality fastball. Knowing when a breaking ball is coming, you still have to have the ability to hit it so obviously like guys like jose Altuve, alex Bregman, they they were good in the minors before they had you know cowbells they were good in, in the majors likely before they had cowbells so i think you know just thinking that this whole team was going to fall apart was surprising but maybe the most surprising single player was on the other side of that first Astros series how about kyle lewis man this guy can hit the living crap out of the ball and yeah. he did it against some of the best. I mean, Lance McCullers is a guy who I think looks really good. He crushed one off him. Justin Verlander, I didn't think he looked hurt in that first start. He had he had over a, a strikeout an inning in that start. So he still had nasty stuff. Kyle Lewis hit one. I think it was well over 430 against Justin Verlander. Uh, Kyle Lewis hitting third on a team of Seattle. That's probably going to be just utter frustration this year. Looks like a guy who you want to own in all formats. We were talking about the betting markets for like under the, the radar, you know, leaders and homers. A lot of people like Franville Reyes. A lot of people like uh, Joey Gallo. A lot of people liked et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Kyle Lewis might be your dark horse major league home run leader.
3: Uh, I like the call. You know, anyone who, first of all, anyone who gets that head start, right, hitting a couple of home runs on the first week of the season, that's gonna that's gonna give you a nice little uh, that's gonna give you a nice little head start. I I gotta say though, I'm gonna go with Nelson Cruz to lead home runs and the rest of the way. Guy looks as stocky and as built as ever, and he is going up to the plate with one thing in mind every game for 60 games, and that is. I want to hit dingers. I don't care about hitting singles. Literally, all I want to do is I want to put the ball over the fence, which is, you know, an attitude that I think that we can all respect. But we are going to head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on great TV. We've been going all around the diamond, getting you guys caught up with everything going on in professional baseball right now. See you guys in just a few moments to go ahead and close out the show
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: i'm davis miller host of the new podcast the Dow of muhammad ali i met ali back in 1988 and to my great surprise we became friends His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida.
5: Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need.
0: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
0: This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid.
3: Hello everyone and welcome back to our final segment here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. We've been going All around the diamond getting you caught up with all the news and notes that you need to be betting on and playing Daily Fantasy in the Major League Baseball right now. Kind of close our show with two bold predictions based off of some of the information that we have grinded out here so far through the first week of the season. And, Ricky, I have a, a bold prediction for most strikeouts in Major League Baseball, or at least at least top five, and that is a guy we both really liked preseason. We were me, you, and Pacheco were all really high on the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it riding not with Trevor Bauer, but with Luis Castillo, who I actually think has better raw stuff than Trevor Bauer, and you know is just gonna be a little bit better at run prevention too. So gonna keep him in games a little bit longer.
4: Yeah, Luis Castillo, the ground baller, along with the ability to miss bats, and I saw a stat. Strikeouts on changeups last year, he had 155. Second in baseball was 76. So he was like double the amount of, of strikeouts on his changeup alone. It's just a crazy good pitch. Plus, he's got that two seamer. I can't hate on you there. I've got a dark horse for top five in the league in ERA. I'm not sure specifically strikeouts is the way for for me to go here, but Garrett Richards is a pitcher who looks back to me. And, I mean, even in a limited sample size last year, you look at spin rate on his slider. He was number one in the major leagues amongst starting pitchers by a wide margin. There was no one even close. And you looked at that slider in the first game, and it looked just nasty. He did not give up a run. Six Ks. And I know they're pitching with a designated hitter now in the National League, but I think Garrett Richards is back to being a SP1 slash SP2 in fantasy. If you drafted Garrett Richards late, if you can just get the health to be there, I think this is a pitcher who is going to give you fantastic numbers pitching in San Diego, which is not a great power park at all for lefties. And you've got that out pitch that is just absolutely elite. I think his home run rate's going to be way down from last year. And if he could do that, I think he's going to be one of the league's ERA leaders. And I think people aren't talking about him enough.
3: There we go. Garrett Richards, Louis Castillo, two guys to be keeping an eye on for fantasy baseball, for DFS, and especially when they take the mound for betting purposes. You know, I don't think that it can be overstated just how much these markets are going to be in flux early in the year for Major League Baseball, gonna reward people who are sharp, who have their their nose to the grindstone and are you know trying to find those small edges uh that's going to do it for us here today at the daily roto hour on sports grid tv uh thank you very much for going around the diamond with ricky and i and we will continue the show and see you guys soon
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: i'm davis miller host of the new podcast the Dow of muhammad ali i met ali in 1988 and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian
1: Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them? Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to games with names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.